This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Let's hear the word of God from Ruth. When Ruth and Naomi came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Lord Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Read from Luke. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken by Quirinius who was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house in the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. From there, for, for, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. From Matthew 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to sing, Blessed, poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst righteousness, for they will be filled. I want to welcome you again to Old South and thank you for allowing us to share your need for a quieter space tonight. We're glad you're here. If you have great faith or if your faith is waning or even non-existent, we welcome you if you're new or if you come every Sunday. My name is Kara. I'm an elder here, which means I serve the congregation in various ways and I attend a lot of meetings and read a lot of emails. Um, another great thing about being an elder is that you're also allowed to preach, so that's why I'm up here. <laughs> I definitely, as you might have guessed, fall into the every Sunday category, and this time of year when I think all of our memories are keenest, I often find myself thinking about when I first walked through these doors 14 years ago. Um, my husband and I were new to the area, and we were looking for a church. We were looking for a church. And Old South used to host a carol sing in early December, and we saw a flyer posted around town. 
since I love singing Christmas carols, we decided it would be a great opportunity to check the church out. We walked in on that Friday evening, and the sanctuary was decorated like it is now, and everything seemed bright and welcoming, and the church felt like it was full of happy people, and we actually thought we might have found the one. Yes, some people do talk about churches this way. We also had a wonderful secret that made us even more excited. After a year of battling infertility and a round of IVF, I was finally pregnant. I felt full of so many good things. I felt full of warmth, felt full of the Christmas spirit, and I felt literally full of life. A few I had my first ultrasound, and it revealed that the pregnancy was no longer viable, and I would miscarry. You've heard of things changing in a heartbeat. Well, in the absence of a heartbeat, the whole landscape of that Christmas changed for us. Suddenly, Christmas carols, which I'd always loved, insulted me with their tinny enthusiasm, and I couldn't even bear seeing all the idealized Christmas card images of the Holy Family and their precious baby boy. We returned to church a couple of weeks later on a Sunday morning, and things looked different than they had the night of the carol sing. The feeling of warmth and celebration felt like it was gone, and the cold winter light flooded in, revealing rows of empty pews. The physical ordeal of the miscarriage was still not complete. And I sat through the service as my womb slowly and painfully continued to empty. There was a void at Christmas. In October, my dear friend Jennifer lost her father after a decade of Alzheimer's had consumed the man she loved, leaving an empty shell in his place. He was only in his 60s, but for years she looked into eyes that had once been filled with laughter and shared memories and saw only bitterness. There's just something about the word empty, the idea of emptiness that so perfectly captures the flavors of grief and longing and physical and emotional hunger. When someone we love has died, we talk about the empty chair around the table, struggling to put on a brave face when we're heartbroken or stressed, empties us of energy and will us of energy and will. And there's really no better way to describe loneliness. I recently read an article on the BBC website reporting that more than half a million seniors in the UK spend Christmas alone. And I'm sure the figures are at least as high in the US. The article quoted a widow named Pauline who said, last Christmas, I spent entirely on my own with no presents, no phone calls, no visits, nothing. It left me feeling tearful, upset, angry, and extremely lonely. The sadness, it's an emptiness. In our first scripture reading that Sarah read, we heard from another widow who expressed similar feelings. Naomi had lost her husband and then both of her sons. She'd spent most of her adult life in a foreign land and she was suddenly without any means of support. So she ordered her widowed daughters-in-law 
to leave her and return to their own family. She traveled back to her hometown. It had been years since the people Naomi had grown up with had seen her and they greeted her with excitement. But rather than embracing a joyful reunion, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Like so many people mourning a loss, not only does Naomi question God's goodness, she questions her own identity. In Hebrew, the name Naomi means pleasant, and the name Mara means bitter. Naomi felt that the death of her husband and sons had emptied her of her very self, so she needed, so she needed a new name. So whether it's the empty feelings of a grieving widow, the empty wallets and empty bellies of so many of God's children, the empty promises of politicians confronted by violence and injustice, or a public discourse now empty of objective standards of truth, emptiness just isn't something we want to think about at Christmas. After all, this is the time of year we're supposed to fill things, right? We fill our stockings shopping carts, our tables, our bellies, our guest rooms, perhaps most of all, our schedules. We're called optimist if we see a glass half full and pessimist if we decide it's half empty. And if there's one thing no one wants at Christmas, it's pessimism, right? But the thing is, God didn't leave stockings and happy families gathered around crowded tables. Christmas began in a spare, stable, empty human comforts. The angels sang over sad and lowly fields, empty of everything but sheep and frightened shepherds. And the star of Bethlehem didn't glow like the warm colored lights on a Christmas tree. It was a sharp, clarifying radiance, bare of human means, as the poem said. It illuminated a weary world of sin and strife, empty of hope. Jesus didn't fall for the pessimist optimist trap. Empty or full, he turned the glass and everything else upside down. From the beginning, Mary knew just how radically her son would alter the status quo. When the angel told her she would bear the Messiah, she, she would bear the Messiah, she praised God, saying, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good sent the rich away empty. The mother of Jesus was a poor young Jewish woman who had probably known the literal emptiness of hunger. Living under Roman occupation, her people were also powerless. It makes perfect sense. She would magnify a Lord who promised to flip the natural social order and the lowly. Through Mary's son, that is exactly what God did. Shepherd, the lowest of the low, were the first to meet him. He took a nearly empty basket of food and fed 5,000 hungry people. He scolded the powerful and filled the homes of despised tax collectors with his fellowship. Jesus transformed the entire concept of empty. On the mount, he preached, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit earth. Blessed are those who hunger thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Christ blesses the vacuum created by our sorrow and our weakness because in it there is room for him, and in him there is room for transformation. When our souls are like the inn in Bethlehem, jammed with hustle and bustle and coming and going, we can't experience the world-changing power of the birth in the empty stable. Pastor and author Barbara Taylor Brown calls the gift of emptiness and darkenment as opposed to enlightenment. At the place of our greatest despair, at the place where we feel least in control, least capable, perfect, know for certain when we know for certain that relying on our own power, our own intelligence, even our own faith is insufficient, that is when we are open to discover the presence of God. The night the old moon vanishes is the same night the new moon is being born. Jesus knew in darkenment. He knew it in the garden when his friends deserted him and on the cross when he felt abandoned by his own father. The Apostle Paul writes this, Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. And when Christ rose again, God answered emptiness with emptiness. The solution to our empty lives was an empty tomb that filled our empty lives was an empty tomb that filled our world with grace. No matter how dark the night, no matter how lonely the house, no matter how yawning the gap between what we have and what we desire, thanks to that empty tomb, we cannot be separated from the God who shares our sorrows. Let's go back for a minute to Naomi. She had lamented that the Lord returned her to her hometown empty, but did he? He blessed her with a daughter-in-law, Ruth, who left her own people to live with Naomi and worship the God of Abraham, which is not the God that Ruth grew up with. The home Naomi brought Ruth back to was, of course, the little town of Bethlehem. Ruth was remarried to one of Naomi's relatives, a man named Boaz. And through their son, Obed, David, down through the generations, this union produced the family, Jesus Christ. The story that began with a widow's cry of emptiness in Bethlehem circled back there almost a thousand years later to give us the cry of a baby whose life, death, and resurrection brought fullness to humanity. I also want to circle back to my friend Jennifer. One weekend, she flew out to visit her father in his nursing home. He was emaciated and nonverbal and uncomprehending as he had completely lost control of all of his muscles. She managed to get him into a wheelchair and took him outside to a small garden. There she touched his hand and said, Dad, you know it's all right. You can go. You can be with Jesus. You can be with Jamie, daughter who had died in infancy. So at that moment, the empty, nearly brain-dead man who lacked even the strength to 
squeezed my friend's hand. The following week, he died and met his savior. The night the old moon vanishes is the same night the new moon is being born. I don't know how God will rush in to fill your empty spaces, but I can promise you that he will. My womb was eventually filled with two wonderful boys who are now And the emptiness I felt 14 Christmases ago filled me with a longing to reach out and touch the same ache in others. To say to you, I know it hurts. Come sit with me. Listen into the dark, empty spaces. Gather. The God of comfort fill you with peace and hope in this season and always. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.